0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Wow, what an incredible church you get to be a part of. I had a chance to pray over this property uh, before this building was built, like many of you did. And I I remember being on this land with your pastor, and we, we were calling down this dream that was inside of him. And, uh, you know, I've been able to meet a lot of pastors through the years, but the hand of God is on this church and on your pastor, and I came here to ask you, don't mess it up, all right? And uh, I'm a Cajun from Louisiana, which means you're not going to learn anything from me, but you're going to have a good time. And uh, it takes me two hours to watch 60 Minutes. It's because I'll eat anything that lives in a ditch. How many like Cajun food? Come on, my cousin's up in the house, yeah. Uh, but there is something about your, your pastor, the staff. Uh, I, I tell you, it's unique. It, they have integrity, which is very important in ministry, isn't that right? But they're also humble, and they're loaded with vision. A lot of times when the Lord blesses a church and it starts growing, uh, it, it's easy to become prideful and think, wow, you know, we know what we're doing. But when I'm around your staff, even though they do know what they're doing, they act like they don't. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, that's extremely encouraging. But the vision of Pastor Jeff, and I've spoken to him, it's never been for 20% of the people that come here to find their calling. It's always been for all. And, uh, and, and because of that, I, I decided to pick, pick a topic right in the middle of these stories for the summer uh, to, to pick a topic that I know will interrupt your story. And uh, it's a topic that's very important to the Lord because he spoke about it more than any other topic, really. It's the most reoccurring topic throughout the scripture, and it's the topic of fear. So I'm going to hit this hard. We're going to have a good time talking about it. But, but I do want to let you know that this is, there's going to be times when you're going to think, man, I wish so-and-so would hear this talk because it, it, it's, it's all over the, the reality of where we all live. But I want, to, I want to ask you to resist the urge of that and for you to take this one personally. Like, take it personally. Like, how about you with fear? How, how is your confidence? How secure are you in your walk? And I I want you to resist thinking about other people, and I want you to get personal with this one. Like like in your life, how's it going for you? And the reason why I struggle sometimes with this whole deal of fear is because still to this day, because the way that I was raised, the church I was raised in, it was completely different than this church. In the earlier service when I was worshiping God on the front row, I was thinking, man, if I would have had this church to grow up in, It would have been completely different because the church I grew up in, there there was really very little presence of God and a whole lot of judgmentalism. Like everyone at that church hated everybody else at that church. And the meanest person at the church was my Sunday school teacher. And when I was eight years old, it was a bummer to go to that class. And I remember she would point, her finger was 30 foot long, I know that because that was the dimensions of the class and I would try to get up against the back wall and she would point at me and tell me I was going to hell and she talked about hell like how hot it was. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. And and, uh, one time she said, don't you want to go to heaven? And I said, not if you're going to be there. (laughs) So we struggled in our relationship. In a huge way. and uh, But so through the years, let me, let me zero this down. I've never known, and I struggle to this day as a kid, I, I didn't think God loved me. It's like funny to talk about my Sunday school teacher now, but when you're eight years old and you think that God wants you out and not in, how do you think your prayer life's going to come together then? How much confidence do you think I had in my dreams with God compared to my dreams without Him? I never knew that He wanted to use me. Well, the fear that is associated with that. I remember when my mom and dad went through divorce when I was in a junior high, and I remember thinking it's probably because of me. I remember having a pain in my side that was not even a major issue, but when I was in the 10th grade, I remember this pain, and I, and I thought it's got to be cancer. God hates me. So, I don't know how it's going for you with fear, but here's, here's where I've noticed a lot of people end up landing. Like, like here's a, a typical prayer that has theology uh, mistakes in it. A, a typical prayer might be, Lord, do something in my life someday. Lord, would you do something in, in my life that sounds so cool and so pure, but it's your move. And you will not make a move like... What God is asking for you to do is going to be intimidating because he's a big God. He's not going to ask you to do something that's cake like you can do with, with him or without him. It's going to be something that's going to overwhelm you and it's going to cause you to freak out. And if you live in your soul and in your brain, you're going to lose this deal. Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to quit. So you may be going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip. Because the call that you have in your life, it's going to intimidate you. And interesting enough, most of our fears are similar to our anointing. Like we're most afraid where we are most called. Like the thing that you're really called to do is probably where you're most afraid. And fear will make you look ridiculous and dumb. Like when my my wife, we had our first child, uh, She she, you know, she was pregnant and through the month she you know I was gearing up for this big day and then finally we had everything packed I was just so worried about like this has got to work and so she said I'm in labor and I called the hospital it was before cell phones before we left I called the hospital say hey Michelle Bazette's on her way to the hospital she's got a baby tell everybody we're coming and then they said is this her first child I said no this is her husband and it just got worse from there. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about this whole deal. Be not afraid. Listen, please, be not afraid. If you've made mistakes, stop looking back. As a pastor, I have people that come through my office and, you know, I, I don't love people as much as Pastor Jeff, but I, I love people. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when I'm around them, This is what I can typically ask them, like, how's it going in your walk with God? Well, it's going good. And then you dig in deeper. And they'll ultimately say, I think God loves me. But they always point to these regrets that they have. Like most of you, I'm convinced if you had to be honest with me about something, you would say, well, I think the Lord loves me, but there's a few things that I've done. I don't know if he could ever forgive me for these things. And you live backwards. It's like you're saying, the Lord, what you, what you did on the cross is amazing, God, but, but it wasn't enough. Like, I have a few things that I don't know if you can forgive me for those things. So we live backwards. We live with regret. Like my wife, the way she drives a car, she never uses the rearview mirror. And I always, because when I get in her car, I can see my feet in her rearview mirror. And I said, baby, you ought to use the mirrors. They'll help you. She goes, no, I'm not driving that way. I'm driving that way. And that's a bad driving strategy but it's a great kingdom strategy and most of us do not have it. So let me just put everybody on the same page because you all have issues. If you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. How many of you have lied before big time? Look at this church. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying now and God will kill you. Hell is hot. Don't you want to go to heaven? How many of you have ever stole anything like a church ink pen? <laughs> How many of you have ever procrastinated too much? The real procrastinators are raise their hand later just just for no reason. We've all made mistakes and this is what we tend to do is to look back. So so I'm I'm asking you not to look back like like what are you attempting to do in your life? If the God doesn't help you with it, you're definitely going to fail. Why does everything end up so safe? Like, it, it just eliminates, like, you find your fear, so your faith lowers, and then you're no longer doing anything that, that causes you to have to have faith. Like, What are you attempting to do? That if God doesn't sponsor it and get completely behind it, that it has no chance of working out. So in the passage of Scripture today, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the book of Luke. And let me frame this in a little bit. Uh, Luke, a lot of people don't know who he was. He was actually not a disciple. Like if I were to say, name some of the disciples, you might struggle. You go, I don't really know them all, but I can maybe name a few. And you might even say, oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But that's not true. A couple of those names were not a disciple. For example, Luke was not a disciple. Luke probably never saw one miracle that Jesus ever did. He he got saved on Paul's missionary journeys. Most believe right there in Antioch. Well, this was after the three years of ministry of Jesus. So he probably never saw anything, but he wrote the book of Luke. 51% of the book of Luke is in red ink. Like it's just words of Jesus. So what he did, and also a lot of people think Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but Paul actually didn't. Paul wrote the most books. Luke wrote the most words. He wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And when when he went out on his study, he he went around just asking people questions like he found Mary who was still alive because hey now what happened now I'm trying to get this right I'm documenting this from my friend Theophilus and and I uh, care about the word. I just want to know now how did you find out you were pregnant like, like how did you tell Joseph did he believe you were a virgin and pregnant and then God God was involved in God was inside of you. I mean how 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 did you tell him you were pregnant with Jesus and she's describing that, and he's writing it down. Well, it was an angel who told me, and he's writing this down. Then, then he found the people who were there the day that Jesus walked on the water. And he's, he's, he's saying, now, Jesus probably didn't walk on the water that day, right? He was swimming out to you guys. Come on, I'm trying to get this accurate. He was swimming out to you, right? And they said, no, not that day, bro. He was walking on the water. And Peter For some reason, Peter would always make mistakes, but this day, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water too, and we were jealous until he started sinking, and then we were laughing, and then Jesus grabbed him and picked him up, and we were jealous again, and he's writing this down. And he went to the people there. He said, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Like, how did this, how did this happen? Now, he catered in some food. He made, you know, made a few calls, right? He said, no, there was no food catered in. It was just one junior high kid with a Lunchable. And <laughs> it was amazing. And Luke is writing this down. Okay, but then he gets to this passage of Scripture. And, and, and let me be clear. The most perpetual topic throughout the book of Luke, if you categorize them, is this thing on fear. In fact, throughout the Bible, like my professor said, he said, if I say it a lot in the class, it's probably going to be on the test. This is the reason why the Lord talks about it a lot, because this is what we deal with. So right in the middle of it all, look, look at this in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you're going to eat or about your body and what you're going to wear. Let me press pause. Everybody look here for a minute. These may not be the things that you're afraid of. So please don't discount the scripture. This is what they used to be afraid of. What is your fear? Now let's go back to it. For your life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or born, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds? A raven, if y'all would catch this, a raven is nothing more than a rat with wings. And God is saying, if I'm going to take care of a rat with wings flying around, I've got you. And then he, then he says, uh, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And consider how the wildflowers grow. They did not labor or spin. yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splinter was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass, the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? This is words of Jesus, so catch this. And do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink, and do not worry, worry about Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father, everybody say father. Because we're going to land there. He knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little father. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay. How many of you, you either raising a child or more than one child now, or you have... At some point in your life, would you raise your hand? Okay, if you're raising kids, because I had one strong-willed child, whoo, man, she, she doesn't live home anymore, and it's party time. <laughs> but I love my kids, and there are times where you just tell them something that's like a, uh, a tip of the day, like, like it's not that important, but it, but it probably would help them if they would remember. Like, don't forget your lunch, or close the door, or tell your teacher hello or something like that. But there are other times where you call them over to you, close to you. You know this is true. And you get them right and you grab them by the face. You don't try to hurt them, but you want them to look at you. Look at me. And they will not. Look at me. No, look at me. Look. Look at me. Because you know what you're about to tell them could save their lives. And you love them. So you look at me. Look at, do you want me to do to you what I did to your older brother? I don't have an older brother. See, you want me to do that? Think about this. Look at me. Because you want them to learn ahead of time. Like you don't say you're four years old today. I want to teach you about a heated stove and what it can do to the physical body. So I've heated it up. And uh, take your finger, don't touch it long, you'll regret that. But just quickly, see how it, now stand back up, stop crying. Don't ever do that again, ever. Now take that same finger and I want you to teach you about electricity. And uh, see this outlet, you're going to have to take your little finger, stick it a little deep, lick it, lick it first, stick it. Now see, don't ever do that. See how it, around here, we ain't doing that. Now go to your room and cry. Tomorrow I'll teach you about traffic and what it can do to the human body. You don't raise your kids that way because you love them. And, And on this passage of scripture, it's like the Lord is grabbing your face saying, look at me. This fear, it's killing you. You're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the trip. So we have to get, there, there's a scripture that, that, that I love that it, it, it basically I skipped it a while ago and it, 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 it says in Psalms 34 and verse four, my gosh, this verse, says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered and he freed me from all my fears. Everybody say all. Raise your hand if you'd like to be free from all your fears. This is what we're gonna aim at. But let me teach you first. Number one, here's the first thing I wanna talk about. The worry, it places huge limits on your life. Huge limits on your life. There's this guy in the Bible, and I'm trying to talk about this as much as I can. But blind Bartimaeus is a guy in the Bible, and in some ways, he reminds me of Pastor Jeff because this guy, he was very, he had tenacity, like persistence, and like like he was calling out to Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, have mercy on me. He was saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind. And then everyone around him, his name was Blind Bartimaeus. That's what we refer to him now. And so so we know his name was Bartimaeus, and we know he was blind. Keep that in mind. And, And he's yelling, Son of David. And everybody around him was telling him to be quiet, be quiet, shut up, be quiet. You're yelling too much. We don't like it. Your pastor is a little bit like that. Because like, if I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, I'm really tired of hearing about the vision you have. He would say, well, let me just tell you one more time. Because he's ate up with it. I love being around people who are ate up with a dream. But some of you, it's been a long time since you've called to the Lord about your, what your dream is. Recently, I was done doing a study of the greatest leaders in our nation, the CEOs and great leaders and managers and thinkers. And they tried to find what was in common of these people and they could not find anything that was the same with all of them. Some were early risers and some were not. Some were extroverted and some were introverted. Some were into health and nutrition and some were not. Some worked out and some didn't. Some woke up early, some late. All these things, okay? But there was one thing in common between all of them. And that was they. They all write down their vision and their goals. Like Habakkuk says, write it down, make it plain so when someone walks by, they can see it on you. This is the only thing that's common. But 5%, only 5% of Christians literally write it down. Like, when is the last time you wrote down and showed the Lord what you're believing for? So blind Bartimaeus had it written down. He's screaming, I want want to talk to you. Jesus walked over to him and said the weirdest thing. Jesus walked over to blind Bartimaeus and said, hey, man, what do you want me to do for you? Like everybody there knew that he wanted to be able to see. So was Jesus just didn't have his A game that day? Was he tired and weary? No. Why did Jesus ask what he wanted? Because the Lord loves to hear what you're dreaming about. When's the last time you shared it? So he says, Jesus, I want to be able to see. And then he was able to see. You know, I I was thinking about how often we need to stretch our faith to be able to see the the power of God. So a, a good way to do that is when you die... How many of you, by show of hands, would like to go to heaven when you die? You want to vote on this one, trust me. (laughs) Okay. When you get to heaven, I just want to stretch your thinking just for a second. When you get into the presence of God, there's no faith in heaven, remember that, because there's no need to have faith. We'll be able to see everything. Now we have to believe. But when you get there and you see the enormity, like the power of His presence it's like, what? Going, it's amazing. One strange verse, though, it says he's going to wipe away our tears. And I thought, I wonder what tear in heaven he's going to wipe. I've tried to study that through and I haven't found the answer, but here's one possible one. Maybe that tear in heaven is going to be when we see how Powerful he is and we think back to now and go why was I so afraid if I would have known God was this big how could I have been so insecure do you know how many people they move through life they won't even try because of fear Like how many jobs were never even applied for, God could give it to them, but they won't even try because what if they get it rejected? Do you know how many young people choose a major in college that they hate? Because the one they're called to do, they're too afraid to try. Do you know how many business ideas have hit men and women and they, like it's a, they're, they got the idea from heaven, but they won't try because what if they fail? Do you know how many relationships have been broken like a friend used to walk with God with and now they're, they're backslidden and, and you need them in your faith but you, you tried to call them another time and they rejected you so you won't try again. I say, why are you so afraid? Like when you see how big he is, we're gonna go, why, why was I ball and chain to the vision? Like the church, he loves the church. Did you know the church is the bride of Christ? He loves the bride. If you come to my home and you say, Rick, I love you, but I hate your bride, I'm going to pepper spray you. (laughs) I want you to love my bride. But we're so afraid, like to give or to serve or to be a part. We just, we live like he's not a big God. One day, he told the disciples, he said, hey, brothers, let's get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. And they got in the boat, and as they were moving along, they got hit by a storm. I promise you, you're either in a storm or you just came out of one or you're just about to go into one. That's not a negative thing because Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have storms and trouble, but I've overcome, like, I'll deliver you from them all. But you gotta trust me. So they're in the boat and the storm started hitting and then, very interesting what they said. They're about to die. And and they look over and Jesus was sleeping. And what they said to the Lord is exactly what fear says in you. It's probably said it in the last 24 hours. They they went over and one of them, and I don't know which one it is, it's not written, but one of them shook Jesus and Jesus woke up. He said, Jesus, we're going to die. We're in a storm. Next sentence is the way we think when we're afraid. Don't you care? You don't care, do you? This is what fear does. And Jesus stood up and he looked at the storm and he said, Peace, be still. Everything, just total peace. And he looked over at them and he said, Why are you so afraid? I told you we were going to the other side. Why are you so afraid? I just want to encourage you to to be a person that that believes again. Like Joseph was a dreamer in the Bible, and the Bible says that his brothers, when they were far away, they looked and they go, look, the, the, the dreamer's coming. You can tell from up close and far away who's dreaming and who's not. It's tough to be in a marriage when your spouse has lost their dream. It's tough to have a teenager where they've lost their dream. It's tough to have a parent when they've lost their dream. It's tough to work for a business where they've lost their dream. It's tough to have an employee who has no dream. It's tough, it's difficult for someone to have no purpose, like they're aiming at nothing. Number two, by the way, we're all, if you're born again, you get to go to heaven. That's good news. We're all gonna die. You can Google it when you get home. Even you health nuts, like my wife, always tell us, so, babe, you, only difference between you and I is you're gonna die with a nasty taste in your mouth. <laughs> but I'm going with Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Bam. Number two, seeking God's kingdom first gives us an unintimidating view. I read this verse earlier. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Say father again. But look at this. Then it says, but seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Let's look at some of the heroes of the faith and see if anybody in the Bible ever struggled with fear. Like Jonah, he was asked to go to this one city. He went in the exact opposite direction. What about Noah? Yes, he built a boat, but he got into a place of discouragement. He ended up being the father of all drunks. What about Abraham? He was told that he was going to have a lot of kids. It wasn't working. He tried a different plan. Ooh, monumental mess there. But then when he's 100 years old, the Lord showed up and said, he's 100, his wife is 100, and the Lord showed up and said, go to Babies or Us, you're gonna have kids now. He's 100, that's nasty. (laughs) Jacob, he was a liar. (laughs) I caught a glimpse of somebody laughing a little too hard. (laughs) He's like, spit up a little bit. (laughs) Gideon was afraid he was in a hole in the ground oh gosh he was in a hole in the ground afraid of the enemy nation and through a theophany an angel looked over and said he's hiding he's threshing wheat which is where you throw the wheat up into the wind you're supposed to be above ground and it separates the wind from the wheat and the dirt And, and you do it again and again until you have pure wheat He was doing it in a hole in the ground because the enemy nation was coming in and he was just a wimp. And an angel looked over into the hole and said, God called me to get you. You're a mighty warrior. He's like, what? I'm the weakest in my family and my family's the weakest in the entire tribe. But God got that man out of the hole. One of the greatest leaders ever. What about Moses? He was the one who was called to carry down the Ten Commandments. Well, don't you think he read them? One of them said, thou shalt not commit murder. He killed an Egyptian with a knife, but he still carried them down. If it would have been me, I would have said, and here are the Nine Commandments. <laughs> what about David? He was, he was a man after God's own heart, but he ended up committing adultery. He was afraid, so he covered it with murder. Elijah, one chapter calling down fire from heaven. Like, it was amazing. Next chapter, he was so afraid that he was under a tree asking God to kill him. What about Isaiah? That dude preached naked for three years. That's all so nasty. Why, why did he even bring that up? <laughs> Peter did not even know the Lord to some little kid. But then he got his faith back and he was able to preach to thousands. Lazarus. He was dead for three days and God still used him. What's your excuse? In this passage of scripture, it kind of reminds me of two pathways that we all have. The pagan world, the world, the way of the world, the world. And then the kingdom of God. Jesus. I just want to tell you, some of you are probably on the road to the world, but fear has a lot to do with it. Because if you're afraid... One of the fears that moves in and worms its way into our home is the fear of missing out. This is where premarital sex comes in for believers. It's like, I can't just serve God. I'm going to miss out. I got to go. I got to stay over here. I, I can't miss so we choose the world. The marketing strategy on the world, it's just amazing, the advertisement. But if you stay on that, wor- that road, I just wanna promise you, you will at some point realize, I've been punked. This is false advertisement. Here's another thing that sounds like heresy, but you'll agree to me with me a- after a second. If you choose the world, you're gonna have a blast for a season. But then you're going to just realize, man, what's going on? This is not, something's missing in my life. If you seek first the kingdom of God, the very things that caused you through fear to be on this road, the Bible says you seek first the kingdom of God and all things are added on. I've never seen anybody who served the Lord and at the end of their life, after serving God, I've just never seen it. Maybe one day it'll happen doubtful but at the end of the life I've never seen anybody say man I just regret I was serving the Lord and I had faith I just regret I I wish I'd have killed more people I wish I'd have smoked more pot I I wish I would have I didn't spend any time in the world I just really regret it but I have seen so many people on this side with incredible regret the problem is fear gets you there And then fear keeps you there because you think you've ruined your life. And this is where we miss the whole point of the cross. Like, he is amazing. Please get this. If just this, this is good enough. He is amazing at forgiving people. Bring it all to the Lord. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was his ability to forgive. He's dying on the cross and he literally stopped dying to forgive one more person next to him and then continue to die. He's a lover. Seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you so we can get to number three. It's the one I've been aiming at. Fear cannot coexist. When God is seen as a loving father, Again, this scripture, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father, your father, your father, your father, your father has been pleased. Your father is pleased. Pleased. Okay? Let me wrap this up. There's a story in the Bible, and I want to preach this whole thing because I'll be done in a few minutes. But the prodigal son one day said to the father, he said, give me my stuff. I want to go, go to the world. I just want to go to the world. So I was like, okay. So he gave it to him, and he's gone. He's like, Gone. He's out there, and one day he came to his senses. We don't know how long he was out there, but one day he came to his senses. But when he did, this is what happened. He missed the Father. Like some of you, you love God, but fear got you off track, and you miss the Lord. Like you know you're not at the peak of your relationship with God. You know it. And you miss him you can't figure out how to get it back this is fear because the prodigal son also thought i can't go home i've blown it the father's not gonna so you was thinking, man i just wish i could be anywhere on the property like anywhere on the pro if i could just be a servant i just want to be on the property i just gotta get close to my father again he's not gonna let me but i gotta try but he's not gonna let me but i gotta try but he's not gonna let me so he thought, well, I'll just come up with this. i got to try. I'm just going to try. So he's going home. He's got this thing he wants to say to the father to try to sell him on just being on the property. And when the father saw him, the Bible says the father started running at him. You can read it. When he saw the father, I guarantee you, he was thinking, this is it. He's going to kill me. He's embarrassed by what I've done. He's going to kick me off his land. But at least the father's coming my way. So the father's chasing after him, and he's thinking, this is it. And he tries to go to his speech. I "I just want to be home. And the father said, look, I don't care what has happened. I miss you. You were lost. You're home." It's also where I want, you wanted to come here, but I wanted you here too. I got some filet mignon. I'm gonna hook you up. Come on in. Okay. Some of you have been afraid for so long, you forgot about that side of God. To illustrate this, my son, when he was four years old, he was asked to be in a wedding, not to be the ring bearer, but just to carry in the Bible and stand by me. And I, he said, yeah, he would do it. And I said, yeah. So we had the rehearsal on Friday night, and he was just perfect. Like He, he walked in, he stood beside me, handed me the Bible, he just aced it. But that was rehearsal. On the day of the wedding, he was acting peculiar. So I said, Hunter, are you okay? No, Dad, I'm not okay. I said, why? Dad, I, I don't remember what to do. I'm going to mess up the whole wedding. I said, what do you mean? What do you, Dad, you, you don't understand. It's a hard job. And I got to carry it. I just don't remember when to carry it. I, said, I said, listen, son, I'm going to make this easy for you, buddy. Easy, buddy, boy. They're going to open up the doors in the back, and I'll be up front. And when they do, you just do two things. That's it, two things. When, when you're afraid, you just do these two things. You keep your eyes on me, and you carry that Bible. And what, Dad? Just keep your eyes on me, and you carry the Bible. I'll let you know how it's going. Keep your eyes on me, you carry that Bible, boy. Okay, Dad, what's that I got to do? Keep your eyes on me, and you carry the Bible. So it's wedding time. I'm up front, and I'm nervous. Like, where's my son? Like, is he still on the property? I know he's nervous. I hope he's there. And they open the door, and I'll never forget his little face. He's like staring at me, just staring. And he's holding his Bible so tight. He's doing those two things. And I said, doing good. Walk. And he's just rigid, you know, He's like trying. He's staring though, but he's staring. And he keeps coming like a robot. And I was like, yeah. And he finally realizes, I'm doing this good. He started a little bit of swag. Like, yeah. Talking to people, and he came up, and he handed me the Bible, and he's like. (laughs) And so afterwards, I said, Hunter, you aced that boy. Thank you, Dad. But when I was going to sleep that night, it hit me. This is good advice for me and you. When you're afraid, you don't know what to do. You just keep your eyes on the Father and you carry the Word. You just carry the Word. Keep your eyes on the Father and carry the Word. Keep your eyes on the Father. Well, I don't know what to do. You keep your eyes on the Father and you carry the Word. I'm just telling you, God has a great plan for your life, but you're going you're to miss it if you don't keep your eyes on the Father and carry that word let's bow our heads Lord I thank you so much for this church your hand is on this church the staff thank you Lord God for the little family those young people in that home Brandy thank you for the staff that I've been able to meet Lord, I know this is the kind of church that has a big dream and they can't do it without everyone knowing their part. So I'm asking for you, for your face to shine upon them, for them to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and lenders and not borrowers and confident. But Lord, we come against the spirit of fear. And I ask, Lord, anyone who's walking around broken, that they're healed in Jesus' name. Lord, please give them back their edge. They want to be home with the Father. Lord, tell them what your call is again for them. So we repent of our fear. And we plead for faith again. We've got a lot to do and we've got to have you to do it. So thank you. Oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.